Welcome back to The People Show, coming to you live from the Kintech studio. You can always chime in, 650-650. We'll touch with Ian McIntyre in just a moment. But Tony in Vancouver, as we're talking about the LA Kings there on the back end. Guys, I agree uh, the Kings are a tough team to beat. And saying that, let's see where they are after they go through a heavy stretch of games. The schedule has been favorable up to this point. Again, they're playing great, no question. So they haven't played the same volume of games as the Vancouver Canucks. They're at 21. Canucks have played 25. Here we are, 55 games, 55 days into the season. So, yes, that's true. But it should be pointed out that the uh, LA Kings have played Vegas twice, Colorado twice. They've played Carolina. They've played Boston. They've played Toronto. And just recently here, they've played uh, Florida as well. So that should play a role. That, If not quantity, they have certainly played quality. And they're going to get set to play Columbus and Montreal. And then they got... Uh, Seattle coming up. They they haven't even played the San Jose games yet, so uh, the Kings are going to have their chance to uh, widen the gap uh, points percentage-wise between them and the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, but let's uh, chat to our triple threat from Sportsnet.ca. Uh, you read his stuff, you hear him here on 650, and also see him on television because he's on television. Uh, he's brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment, Ian McIntyre. Ian, how are you braving the rain today? Well, I'm wondering if... Uh... Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment have water pumps, and maybe I can get some of the water out of my yard here in low-lying Richmond. Oh no! It's yeah. uh, it's 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 winter with a vengeance. This is a this is a classic West Coast winter day. And actually, other than other than the rising tide in my backyard, I don't mind it. I like the rain. I'd far rather have this than snow. I know people from the prairies think we're all crazy out here, but you know, it just kind of feels like December in Vancouver. Uh, I have a very unresearched theory, uh, and so if if someone wants to, uh, you know, say I'm wrong, I have not thought, I've not put any research into this, but I feel oh, like so, so. Just before you continue, so it's like all your theories. Yes, exactly, hundred <laughs> percent. Okay, um, proceed. I, I, I feel like the the months of the calendars have all shifted over by a month. Or sorry, the weather has shifted over by a month. That we usually get a November dump of rain, and it was it was fine this November, but it's not like today. And I, f- I feel like it, it stays hotter longer into like the the school season now. Essentially, September is rather warm, and it it's it rains longer up until like May and June. So you're suggesting there's climate change afoot? Again, I I have not done the research. You might have the answer <laughs> for right. it, but uh, I I've not done uh, the full I... research for it. I agree with some of that, except I don't necessarily, I need a larger sample size on the rain into May, because I remember, I think it was two years ago, we had a fabulous April, May, and June, but it it does feel like, you know, the rain is coming later and we're getting less of it in the summer. So basically we're all screwed long-term, but luckily we live on the 49th parallel absolutely uh it, it, it's all good vibes uh, at least and certainly uh, pretty good for the uh, vancouver canucks right now beating uh, the calgary flames as well uh it was one of those you know it was it was not an overly well played game uh by everyone but you know i, I my primary takeaway is that they kind of need some of these games and you know we've seen so many bad seasons here that these nondescript games in a season where you're having success are just perfect just okay move on carry on to the next game and you can focus on making your incremental improvements as the season prolongs yeah, I'd agree with that. And by the way, I misspoke. I said parallel. It would be latitude, right? The parallel would be the longitudinal lines. I don't even know what Vancouver is for that. But um, yes, 
you know what I was thinking, and and you know, right now the their uh, penalty kill is in a in a funk, and it's sinking back towards the bottom. And we're talking about that. We're talking about you know the, how inconsistent they've been uh, the last while. We're we're talking about some of uh, the top scores, especially Elias Pettersson in a lot of games recently. You know, being a little bit off, and the team is is four and five in its last nine and six and six in the 12 since it's really hot start. And it, it seems to reinforce this idea that the, the floor has come up. Now the Canucks need to be better than, than what they've been uh, lately, but maybe this is what the struggle looks like now. Remember the struggle last season looked like old five and two in the first seven games. Maybe this is the struggle now uh, that said, I do think their play, although inconsistent, has been timely. And they, you know, they really, that win against Calgary was important in the same way the win against Seattle the week before was important. If you, if you can cherry pick which games you're going to win, and, and obviously four out of nine is not enough. That doesn't, that doesn't get you anywhere in the NHL, but it, it, you don't perhaps sink as fast as you did as the Canucks the last couple of seasons. But if you're going to cherry pick games, the ones that, that suppress the Kraken and the Flames, uh, the teams that, you know, by the end of the year are probably going to be close to you and, you know, are trying to run you down. Those, those are significant wins, but it is, it is uh, a little bit perplexing. And I think for Talkett and his staff, especially that we haven't seen any kind of uniform effort uh or or execution or maybe both in, in these last nine games and even the games that they've won there's been spells where maybe they didn't look so good i actually think from start to finish in the calgary game well from start to about minute 57 <laughs> in the calgary game i thought it was a really good road game it was it was low event they looked reliable uh they did what they had to do in, in defending their lead. And then it got a little bit sketchy at the end, uh, partly with, with the uh, puck over glass penalty to Juleson. So, you know, they, they have to, they have to get better, but it, it's nice that while they're struggling, they're still picking up points. They've added, uh, you know, eight points in the last nine games and it doesn't push them forward in the NHL. And if you do that, for the rest of the season I haven't done the math on that but I think you could miss the playoffs if you do that the rest of the season so they have to they have to get better but what they're trying to fix right now uh, feels like almost nothing compared to what they were trying to fix the last two years Uh, I'm doing really quick math here Uh, 57 points the rest of the way gets you to 90 yeah so that that doesn't make the playoffs yeah Uh, right so I am intrigued here over these next five games that are all at home uh, and, you know, with with opportunity for more practices, do we get uh, a chance to see the team that we saw maybe earlier in the season? Because, you know, the, the, the travel has been a lot and playing in all these different cities. I'm curious if, if the ability to just kind of stay on solid ground here for a bit and if we get the best version of this team come Tampa and Florida on this homestand. Yeah, I don't know, honestly, Bick, I don't know if we're going to see the version that went 10-2-1. Like, not in terms of that that winning rate. And I think in that, remember, they were 2-2 two two mm-hmm. 
after losing those games on the road in Philadelphia and, and Tampa, and then I believe went 8-0-1 in their next nine. So it's that heater that's really taken them to, to where they are, and now they're trying to protect that position. I'm not sure that they're they're going to have any more spells where they go 10-2-1. But even from an effort point, as you were suggesting, the game against Calgary, like that was a great road game. Um, I, I don't know if we've seen the same effort since. Yeah, uh, I no, know, I like, agree. With, yeah, I, yeah, I agree with you there. And and what I've seen over you know many years is you you have these debilitating stretches of your schedule, and once you get through those games, I think there's a sense, a general sense of oh well, the worst is over, and here we go. But it actually has a lingering effect. It's like it's like. You know, if if you if you get run down at work because you've worked, you know, 23 days in a row and long days and you're not sleeping and maybe you're not eating right. When that stretch of 23 work days is over, you're not going to feel great mm-hmm. on day 24. You know, it's going to take some time for you to get back to feeling feeling good. I think I think this is a great opportunity for them to have these games at home because so much of. So much of the challenge in November was uh, all the travel and the games in different time zones and, and just some bad scheduling. You know, coming, you go from Denver back to Seattle, back up to San Jose. They had uh, a road trip where they came home for one game and then went on the road again. So it's just like a continuation of the road trip. They do have this, this good patch of games at home where they're going to get both rest and practice, which hasn't happened much uh, or didn't happen much in November. And you got to think that that's going to rejuvenate them a bit, but you know, it, I I don't think there's a switch and I don't think there's a switch for any team, you know, right. If there was a switch, you know, Tampa Bay would, would hit it right about now and suddenly stop losing, start winning games again. It, It takes, it takes time. It's more like you're trying to turn sometimes a freighter, than trying to turn a skidoo um, or sea sorry. So uh, I, th- I think, uh, to use a talk at term, I think they're chipping away at it. But a couple of things I mentioned, and especially the penalty killing, that has to get better. They can't, they can't keep bleeding goals when they're shorthanded. You know, the last, the last seven games, I think they're minus four on special teams. And that's, you know, with their power play is struggling a little bit right now as well, which compounds the problems on the penalty kill. It was okay early in the year when the power play was over 30%. If your penalty kill was in, in the mid seventies, but now that the power play has gone a little bit lukewarm, uh, it's, it's making it more important that they get the, the PK, but there are some things, you know, in, in their favor right now, they've got, they made the trade with Zadorov or for Zadorov. That should give them a lift. We have seen uh, a much better version of Elias Pettersson the last couple of games. We saw the, you know, um, Kuzmenko go out of the lineup, and now he's back. He hasn't looked great since he's been back, but he's he's looked better. And you know, at some point, uh, they're gonna they're gonna get guys back. The Suter injury is a real mystery. How this mm-hmm. has just gone week to week to week, and he's been. Honestly, he's been a significant part of the struggle, both how good he was on the penalty kill and the fact he he was uh, 
the rare centerman who won more draws than he lost shorthanded. Mm-hmm. So the Canucks were starting with the puck shorthanded, which meant if they were competent in clearing, you know, they were, they were shortening every power play by 20, 25 seconds. Um, and, and they've missed Suter. Uh, Bluger has played well as a third line center, but I think he's still a fourth line center. But, you know, I think, you know, maybe the worst is over. We'll, we'll see, but it is, it is a good opportunity now with the, with the rest and, and the schedule. Like as, as we talked about after the Calgary game, at one point, this homestand looked like a murderer's row with, with all the teams coming in. And now other than Florida at the end, everybody's, everybody's got issues. I mean, New Jersey tomorrow was supposed there are a lot of people's pick, uh, to challenge for a president's trophy and maybe win a Stanley cup this year. And they're an incredibly dynamic, skilled, fast offensive team. And yet there they are one game over one game over 500. I mentioned Tampa, Minnesota, maybe the Canucks are going to run into them a week too late because they've changed their coach and won some games. But, you know, there's an opportunity here for Vancouver to, to put some points into this, into the win column. But I think more than that, just kind of use the time they have, get a, get some energy back in their game on a more consistent basis and get that practice time that they need to, to work on the things that talk it wants to work on. Uh, on the penalty killing face-offs, I was looking at it last night, you know, my 2 a.m. spreadsheet sessions. Um... See, you do do research. <laughs> All your theories are not untested. Uh, know that, since Suter left, uh, JT's 10 and 24 on the face-off, so at 42%. Lafferty is 3-4, not very many, but 75. Bluger's 5 for 14 at 36%. So, yeah, they, they certainly missed him uh, on the PK. Um, you mentioned Zadorov, too. Now that they've taken care of the you know, one acquisition, at least on the defense, to me it was obviously the primary priority. Um, and, you know, health will always dictate that, of course. Susie comes back or somebody else gets hurt. But... Now that one addition has been made, what do you feel like is the next move that they have to try to do? Well, I, I think they are serious about talking to Ethan Bear when Bear is ready to play. And I think that Bear would, you know, and this is just me spitballing. It's like one of your theories, Vic. But I think Bear, I, I know Bear enjoyed his time here and feels like there's a fit for him here in Vancouver if if he accepts that this season is, is not one where he's you know, going to get any kind of term or money that maybe he feels he should get because he's missed so much with injury. I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to think that he, there'd be many places he would look upon more favorably than Vancouver. If it's you know, simply a, a, a fairly modest deal to finish this season, then he's a UFA and then he tries again in the summer. So I, I think they'll talk to him. But whether, whether it ends up being Ethan Bear or not, I will be shocked if we get to the trade deadline. I know that's months away. It's not like, you know, we're talking about two weeks from now. But I'd be shocked if they don't add another defenseman along the way. Because what we've seen by this, and let's remember who's out of the lineup right now. It's Carson Soucy and Guillaume Brisebois. And a lot of people uh, really uh, underestimate Brisebois' value they don't think he should even be on the team i saw many many projected lineups before the season that didn't have brisebois on it but he's kind of a steady number six for them but he is a number six and carson Susi is a five so this this is who they've been missing and we see the problem
problems that it's caused. So, you know, it'd be a nice problem to have if everyone was healthy and you have too many guys. The, the bottom line is you need depth. And, and this team, we know, we know uh, from the top down, from Jim Rutherford to Alvin to Talkit, their ambition this season goes a lot higher than, than just doing better than last season or than just getting into the playoffs. If you're going to have any kind of run, you're going to need more defensemen than they have. So I think, I think for sure there's going to be another defenseman coming. I don't know whether that's going to be next week or two months from now, but they need more than what they have, even with the Zadorov trade. Uh, we saw on Saturday night uh, on headlines on Hockey Night in Canada, Elliot Friedman talking about a meeting that took place between uh, Patrick Alvine and Elias Patterson. It's it's rising. This meeting is rising up in the lore of the uh, Ewell Levy <laughs> stretch pass and the Vertanen back check that we've seen here in recent memories. Um, what do you make of the the supposed meeting? Uh, I think it's kind of business as usual for Patrick Alvine. I think he's a guy who. You know, he says he talks to every player. Uh, I don't think it's literally every player, but it's every player's agent. I think he is in constant contact with the representatives of his players. And, and in some cases, when, it's, when he feels it's appropriate, he talks to the player as well. So I don't think there's, you know, I'm not reading too much into it. Uh, I just think it's sort of smart management, you know, to, to stay in touch and keep dialogue going. There may not be any dialogue or progress being made on contract talks, and I'm not saying that there there is or there isn't. I, I get the sense that that's been pretty quiet, and and that was that was Elias's choice uh, to have it uh, pretty quiet. And Pat Brisson, of course, but uh, it doesn't mean that you can't you shouldn't maintain contact and you shouldn't keep communicating so you know how the other side feels. So I think it's just good management by by Patrick Alvin. It's like if we go. Uh couple of weeks without speaking to a manager or if you go a couple of weeks without speaking to an editor, like I'm sure it's just a good sign to just check in every once in a while. Well, I check in with my editor generally every Monday. So I never, I rarely go yeah. a couple of weeks without speaking to my editor, but it is, it is uh, good to check in. I mean, it's just professional teams and, and people may roll their eyes uh, about this, but it's, it's all about relationships. It's all about the dynamics within the team, how players, relate to each other and how they feel about each other. And, and that's not to say that everybody has to be popular, but everybody has to be respected. Everyone has to be valued. It's same. And especially for coaches and I, you know, Rick Tockett could talk to you for hours about this. And so could Travis green, who's coming in with New Jersey. And I think that would be an interesting story about him coming back as well. But it, coaching is so much about relationships and building trust and coaches constantly, good coaches, constantly, constantly check in with their players. And it's not about uh, everything is uh, what happened on the ice and mm -hmm. your mistakes. It's how are you feeling? Like how, what's going on with your family? How's your, how's your dad doing? How's your, how's your son doing? You know, it's, it's building relationships. And then, and then the same thing as you move up the food chain, it's the same thing with management. They're, you know, part of the reason the Canucks got Kuzmenko is because Patrick Alvin uh, has a relationship with his agent. And, you know, these relationships matter. 
And so I, I think Patrick Alvin is, is acutely aware of that and puts a lot of time and effort into maintaining relationships with players and their agents. It's almost like these athletes, Ian, uh, they, they might be human beings too. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And, and listen, uh, some guys uh, will want to make as much money as they can. Absolutely. And, and you know, that's, that's their prerogative. But it's my experience, and I would suggest it was probably Rutherford and Albine's experience when they built Stanley Cup teams. Players also want to go where they feel comfortable, and they like, they like who they're playing for. They like what they're playing for. They like who they're playing with. And in that case, it's not necessarily about every last dollar, although nobody seems to leave the game uh, poor, especially if you're a great player. But there's, there's, there should be more to it than, than money. And I think, I think uh, Alvin understands that. Doesn't, <laughs> doesn't mean that he's going to get a sweetheart deal from Elias Pettersson if Pettersson decides that the time is right to, to resign. It's still going to cost a fortune. But you have to want him to want to come back. Like to, to even get to the, the stage where you're talking about term and money, he has to want to, to be here. So I think, I think maintaining that contact is vital. Thank you, Ian. We always appreciate it. All right, Vic. I like your theories, Thank most you. of them. Well, uh, uh, the inbox has quickly discovered my theory was wrong. <laughs> They're always well, hard to work to listeners. All right. Well, you can you can dump me because I know you got to move on to better things, but you better explain that as to how you're wrong on I, the air. I will do. Uh, thank you very All much. Right. This is Ian McIntyre. He's brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the work site. Find them together online at dleamc.com. So uh, Tyler texted in, uh, I found historical data, and your hypothesis over the past 10 years is wrong. Excluding this year, there are only two years where November had more rain, 2021 and 2016. Otherwise, December has roughly the same amount or more rain than November. Weather cycles happen naturally. P.S. Snow is better. So it's Monday. It's buzzer bell. I dropped a take, and I was wrong. Well done, Tyler, in the inbox. Damn, that was a tough one. That's a tough look. Tough look. Yeah. Although, way to go, Tyler. Way to call I, him out. Would that technically be correct that December has? I I, I said, the 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 month or the weather have shifted every month. So technically, it would be does October have less rain? I don't know, man. This is your know. theory. I don't know. Anyways, good stuff in the inbox as always. We're we're, we're pro accountability. Uh, keep it coming. Keep uh, Satin Dan also accountable as they're uh, on their way. Uh, Don Taylor will join them on Mondays on Canucks Central, minutes away with Satyar Shah, Dan Riccio here on Sportsnet 650.